Hello there and welcome one and all to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Golf Shake Podcast. As usual, I'm joined by Mr. Matt Holbrook. Matt, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Good, yeah, not bad at all, not bad at all. Obviously, we're going to start our usual dissection of this week's golf and... Um, we've also got a very special interview to talk about. We've got YouTube content creator James Robinson stopping by as well. did an interview with him, and that is on the podcast. And like I said, we're going to talk about what we've been doing this week and also what's been going on in the world of golf. So, Matt, what have you been doing in the past seven days? In the past seven days, I'm just trying to think back because I tell you what, I had an absolute golfless weekend. I was... Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But um, so actually, my the lovely Mrs. H actually took me away as a surprise. Oh, I saw some pictures, actually. Some we went to romantic, yeah. lovely, lovely kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it happens to be my birthday this week. And she decided it. to take me. How old are you this week? Uh, this this week, just a week, a week older than what I was last week. What was that? Um, mid 30s. <laughs> I can leave it there. We can leave it there if you want. Um no, I'll be 37 on Wednesday. If anybody wants to send me any presents or money, um, I should do like an Amazon wish list, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should, absolutely. Yeah. And then I bet just... it'll all be golf stuff. I reckon you'd get some of those nice little gift packs like those St. Andrews with a little bit of whiskey and something to print the golf ball with and all that. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, so golfless weekend. Uh, so it was nice to uh, – actually, it was – it was nice to get away and almost be fairly social media free for the weekend. Um so I had played. I had played on Thursday, um, and I can tell you what you, you can make of this. What you will, I, um, I'm so close, Ryan, to going low. I know I am. What? I'm probably I'm probably hitting the ball uh, better than I ever have done. I think off the tee, definitely. Um, I just like I was. What was I? I think I shot six over on Thursday last week, but I was three over. Stood on the seventeenth tee. Um, just made a horrendous double bogey on the 17th and then bogeyed the 18th. Um, but yeah, it was this, it's good. Do you know what I mean? It's good sign. So I'm actually playing tomorrow. I've taken a day off work tomorrow to play tomorrow at one of my favorite places, um, which is Purdis Heath, Ipswich. Um, many people would say it's, 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 uh, have a look at it because they had the, um, ladies amateur championships here a few years back. Nice. Um, probably if you looked at most kind of rankings online, it would come out at maybe second or third in Suffolk. But I actually think it's the best in Suffolk personally for me because I think the layout is perfect. Um, it's really, really nice. Heathland golf course, so it'll be dry. Um, you get a bit of run. Uh, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to looking forward to that tomorrow. Um, yeah, and that's about it really. Please tell me you've played because the weather's been no, like, not played. Really? Absolutely not. Nor do I have any desire to at the moment either because it's just not good enough out there. <laughs> you make me sick. The um, when is good enough? It's still wet. Your shoes are still covered in mud when you walk off. It's just not for me. It was still on mats on the fairways, and I'm just that's just not my kind of thing, mate. You know, you definitely need to head to this part of the country and play some golf because. One of the things that we get that gets commented on the most at the moment down here is the fact that we're walking off the golf course with barely any mud on our shoes. Like I can't tell you how. Like I'm 20 minutes from the sea, so naturally the ground is going to be a little bit drier. And you go further out, so like tomorrow I'm going closer, and it's Heathland, so it is naturally drier. I won't even wear spikes tomorrow. 
I'll just wear a soft shoe tomorrow, um, and there won't be a speck of mud on them. Uh, you need to <laughs> you need to come east, head east, well, south and east. I've I've got the kind of bug to play, but just. I'm, I'm kind of holding off till I go to Turkey next weekend, really. But, I did make a comment. I saw that you posted on uh, Instagram about your goodie bag. That Yeah, how good's that, by the way? Yeah, how it looked all right. Is, it looked all right. Well, I just haven't seen that on my social media. Added, basically, the TGI Pro-Am that we've gone every year, Adidas, TaylorMade, Maui Gym, Power Caddy, um, amongst others, sponsor it, right? And we get a gift pack before we go. And this is for every player. Bearing in mind, I think it said there was 89 teams playing this year. So, I mean, that's what, 300 and, well, well over 330, 340 people. So, so basically, they're giving these, this many gift packs out to all of these people. And it had um, sort of three quarter zip cover-ups in it. It had four shirts. Uh, there was a tailor-made cap. There were a dozen TP5 balls. There was various other things in there. But it was probably about five or 600 quid's worth of stuff in this in this pack. And they're giving it to you know, 300 plus, nearly 350 people. So, I mean, it's just, the amount it's, they invest in it is just amazing. Yeah. If anybody wants to have a look at that, head to Ryan underscore Rastel, R-A-S-T-A-L-L on Instagram, and you'll see that post. You'd also see the cheeky comment I put on it, um, which I don't think you acknowledged, but I think it was no, something along the lines it. of... I saw it. I just didn't, didn't it, it was something along the lines of, you go in Turkey, you never said. Yeah, well, I'm, as you can tell, I'm looking forward to it. That's the start of my golfing year, Matt, right? And Yeah, I'll let you off. And yeah, that it, yeah, hopefully then when I get back, I'm playing six rounds in six days, having not played. The last time I stepped on a golf course and played golf was Christmas Eve. Oh no! Um, and I don't it's March think, next week. I don't think I'll be playing before I go to Turkey. Wow. Well, um, that's uh, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't don't know what to say really. Don't know um, what to say. Yeah, it's poor form. But I, I, one, I don't have the time, and two, I just don't have the inclination to either. With the golf course as it is, the Turkish ones, I'm sure, will be dry as a bone. The greens will be quick, and it'll just be like proper golf, and, and that's that's what I'm all about. But then, is it not going to be a bit of like a come down when you come back and it's still you know because you're not going to come back and it's going to be summer in, well, no, in but I'm, it's another what three weeks time but then after that i'm taking a group to dundonald as well so um, okay so i've got like a week back here and then the sort of third week of march if you like i'm taking a group of 12 up to dundonald links for four days so we're playing Prestwick, Western Gales, and two rounds at Dundonald while we're up there. So they should be pretty dry as well, I'd imagine. Three of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. So that should be good. Just fingers crossed that the weather's going to be half decent. But yeah, that that's where I'm going to be. But yeah, this week I've been busy. So I've been coaching. So I've done probably 20-odd hours of lessons. Um, been redoing the fitting room a little bit at the club. So spending quite a bit of money in there, sort of having it new signage made and and kitted out and just bought a new mat this week and all that kind of stuff which um let me have you worn that mat out from all the youtube testing you've been doing well to be honest i've had that mat in there for six and a half years so it's it's it doesn't owe me anything put it that way so i've bought a new one that's it's actually twice the width so i can keep spreading the wear on it a little bit and yeah. also you can just put teas straight in it so you don't have to okay same place all the time so no it's, it's really good but yeah i've had some I'm having some new signage made. The putting area at the club's been redone. It's probably going to cost about three or four grand, I think, to, to redo it all and make it look really smart. But it'll be worth it in the end. It'll look it'll look absolutely yeah. amazing. So 
so yeah we've had loads of new stuff coming in the shops so i've had all the new puma clothing and footwear come in which um i'm doing for the first time in a while and it looks great uh, puma so, stuff will fly off the shelf i promise you hopefully hopefully i mean um but yeah i mean it certainly it certainly looks really good but i actually treated myself to a pair of golf shoes this week and it's not very often i buy golf golf shoes for myself right but I got, um, I'm part of the like Nike, the club Nike kind of, um, I suppose, membership through the Nike app. And I saw that the TW13 shoe was coming back out. And I got okay. like an early access thing to that. I remember having them at the time. Absolutely amazing shoes. Those of you that don't know, just Google it and have a look. But they were like a, almost like the free uh, footwear that they make where the, you know, the sole's very kind of. It's almost like barefoot walking, basically. It just moves all, all around. Um, but they had those come out, um, and I bought myself a pair, and they came yesterday, and they look oh. awesome. So they, they're going to be box fresh for turkey. Yeah, properly. Yeah, they're definitely going in the bag and definitely going to turkey. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing in the last week. Nothing out on the golf course, but lots of kind of getting ready to start playing golf, I suppose. Um, and obviously, been to see James Robinson as well. So yeah, I've been been doing that um, over at Woolley Park Golf Club, which isn't a million miles away from me. Uh, but we had a good chat, played a few holes, um, which there's some videos to come, as well as obviously the interview that you're going to hear later on in the podcast. But let's crack on with talking about what's happened in the world of golf this week. So we'll start with the DP World Tour. Must confess, didn't watch much of this, mate, but. Uh, just because of the stupid time of the day that it was on from from Thailand, obviously um, miles away, but um, great. Well, in my opinion, great to see Torbjorn Olsson win again. Yeah, seven times a winner. You know, yeah. does he Proper, does he get the respect he he deserves? Um, no, but um, you know, I think obviously a lot of stuff's gone on in his life in the last few that years. This is true. Um, been a bit difficult, but obviously Ryder Cup player, and you know, like you say, he's won seven times now, including um, won the Dunhill Links, didn't he, a few years ago? I remember. Yeah, remember won the British Masters, didn't he? Yeah, just um, such such a good player. So, um, I mean, he'll, and he'll definitely be one of those that's knocking on the door of the Ryder Cup team. I'd have thought by by the end of the year, and um, but yeah, we had some good performances. Yannick Paul came second. Um, we had. Uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello playing well again. Um, from my perspective, D- Dan Gavin's had another decent finish, picked up some money. Um, Marcus Armitage made the cut, didn't probably have the best weekend that he'd like, but again, won a bit of cash, but he really needs to start putting his foot down and uh, hopefully he'll do that this week in India. But uh, what was your take for it, mate? Was there anyone that you saw that su- sort of surprised you or anyone that you kind of thought, yeah, I knew he was going to start playing well pretty soon? Um, no, I've got to be honest and confess, like you, I saw literally zero golf, um, DP World Tour golf this week, just because of being away and working. Um, yeah, I saw I, I saw a tiny bit this afternoon because I work from home on a Monday normally, and I saw a tiny bit on replay because the, the yeah. 17th day is like an island green. Yeah, that's right. That looked um, awesome, didn't it? Which yeah. did look good. Which did look good. I, I have to be honest, I had to get a little boat out, which is, uh, you know, like a proper island green. None of this. You got you can walk around the back and walk over a bridge. You know, yeah. you had to get on a boat. Um, <clears throat> look, there's there's players that I look for. I, I look for the Hoyguards because I think that they could be the future of golf. So Nikolai yeah. had, a, had a strong finish. But um, I've always had a weird liking for Yus Luton. Louton, Luton, yeah, however you want to pronounce yeah. it. Um, um, he just seems like the nicest guy ever. Yeah, I, I think um, chilled. Yeah, 
I saw him at Wentworth years and years ago, and he stopped. And he stopped us. He was just stopping to say hello to everybody. Yeah. Um, and I just it it's, it's little things like that that just kind of just kind of stick with me. Um. So yeah. So it was nice to see him back up above, or back floating around the top of a leaderboard. Um. Um, so we we saw some ladies golf. Ladies European Tour was um, in Saudi Arabia this week for the Aram- Aramco series. Uh, Lydia Ko obviously winning there. I mean, she she is. I mean, not she's a phenom, right? She's... Yeah, she's so good, isn't she? I mean, she just well when she first came out on tour, she was just amazing at such a young age, and then kind of disappeared a little bit, and now just seems to be like putting her foot down again, and and yeah, and just bossing it, didn't she? I mean, she's just such a good player. The other that I saw was uh, Aditi Ashok as well, who won in Kenya the other week. She came second, and she. She's she was bossing out. it. For me, I mean, she just she has just come out of nowhere. I've, I've until this season not heard of her, um, and she obviously won in Kenya by I think nine shots. Was it? Yeah. Um, come second here and with twenty under par for four rounds. She she seems like she could be a, a serious force to be reckoned with in ladies golf. Yeah, um, she she's super impressive, and actually, she you know when you're going up against somebody like Lydia Ko. It's very easy, I think, to kind of just wither in that in that sort of competition. Oh, massively, yeah. Um, but just just on Lydia Ko, um, so that's three wins in her last four starts, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> she ha- has now won worldwide thirty two events and two majors. Do you know how old she is? Uh, well, I, I do. Yeah, um, I know no one's going to believe how old she is because of how long she's been around. But I remember when she, when she made her um, debut, I think was, was she 17 years old? I think she might have been younger. Um, and she's, she's 25 and seems like she's been around for 15 years. It's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? It is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, she, uh, she achieved, uh, uh well, she was world number one at the age of seventeen, wasn't she? Yeah, she's just scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, she was the youngest ever to win an LPJ Tour event. She was fifteen. What? Just think what you was doing when you was fifteen. Yeah, so I, I said, don't share it. Don't share it with a class. But made, made a debut at seventeen. She was actually world number one at seventeen. Made a debut. Yeah, yeah. Which is just unbelievable. Yeah. Imagine being fifteen years old and playing on the PJ Tour. I mean, no, wow. I couldn't couldn't do Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable, but um, but yeah, like I say, I, I wasn't doing anything particularly uh, groundbreaking at that sort of age. I wouldn't imagine, but but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's another great spectacle, and you know, there'll, there'll obviously be people that hate the whole Saudi Arabian golf kind of thing. But for some reason, when the women play there, it's not quite highlighted as much. And we were talking before the podcast about that a little bit. It's almost. You know the the whole kind of live conversation dies down when the ladies play in, in Saudi Arabia and and it's not talked about. But essentially, that's what this is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, which which yeah is is crazy, really. But you know. I'll be honest. Look, I'm I'm almost. I so, sometimes the, the, I just feel like in the world that we live in now, I'm just almost I'm almost scared to even have them kind of debates with anybody, just in case you say something that people take the wrong way. Well, I think that's just that's just symptomatic of the world we live in, isn't it? Yeah. I can't actually say anything. But um but yeah, I mean it, it's for me, I just want to watch really good golf and this was very good golf and you know, we're gonna talk 
in a minute, well, in a little while about what's coming this week and Liv's back again. And I just want to watch good players play golf. And if there's more of it on TV, the better, I think. Speaking of good players playing golf. Yeah. Uh, Genesis. Genesis. So, obviously, return of Tiger Woods, who I thought did exceptionally well. A lot better than I expected. I wasn't. It was looking like he was going to miss the cut at one stage, wasn't it? And and obviously made the cut when had a great round Saturday, and kind of didn't have the round he wanted on Sunday. But still, I think for him it would have been a massive check in the box that he's played four rounds, he's walked four rounds, he looked fairly fresh. I think you know swinging the golf club and hitting shots, he doesn't look any different to what he did ten years ago. But walking, he does look very different to what he did 10 years ago. So that, that for me, is the biggest question mark that we have about him is can he walk around, you know, a course like Augusta for four days that's massively undulating? And only he will know that when the time comes around. But on the basis of where his game's at, it's very good. Yeah, I um, I would would almost love to see kind of like how he's moving and walking around today, for example, yeah. like, is he, is he just completely resting? Is he flat out or, you know, is he able to kind of be up and about moving around today with kind of little, well, like, you know, he used to do loads of running. Can he run? Can he do that sort of thing? No, I don't know. Cause he still looks in really good Nick, doesn't he? Top half, top half. Yeah. So yeah, and we'll see, but, um, but yeah, we don't really know that. But yeah, back to the golf. We've obviously seen an amazing finish. Max Homer doing very well again, but new world number one, and rightly so, John Rahm. I mean, what what a performance. What a start to 2023 he's had. It's been incredible when you think he's what's he won now three three times in the last five starts. Yeah. Um I mean there's there's crazy stats. I know a couple of podcasts ago we, we talked about um, you know, earnings, how much is earned. Yeah. Um, it's it's a joke. Like we're talking like he's close to seven thousand dollars a shot this year. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't Yeah, could you imagine? Well I could, yeah, but then I wake up, Matt. Um but yeah, I mean it's um it, it's seriously impressive. I mean it, it, he's obviously down the stretch there, hold that big put on uh was it fourteen? Yeah, that was big. Um, that was big. Uh, no, 16, I think. The one you're referring to, the long... Oh, oh yeah, the one across the green, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just he, he just looked in complete control all the time. He, he's, yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best player in the world at the moment. And he's been he's been saying that himself. He has. And he I has. don't think anyone would argue with him. Um, do you know, not to kind of discredit what John Rahm's achieving, because we could talk about John Rahm every single week on this podcast and say how great he is and, you know, can talk about this money, that money, this titles, you know, I'm, he's kind of got to the summit again and I'm glad he's up there because I think he deserves it. What I, do you know, I really want to talk about Max Homer. Okay. Because I think the guy, he's, his stock is on the rise. I, I, I tweeted today actually to say that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, to me, Max Homer was the guy that just roasted people's swings on Twitter. Yeah. You know, that's that's how his popularity grew. Um, what a journey it's been for that guy for the past, what, 18 months? Yeah. It, very, very grounded. Um, says and does all the right things. 
I think if you're looking for, um, you know, the word role model gets kind of thrown around, I think just in sport in general, a bit too much because, you know, I, I don't think these guys kind of try to get to the top to be a role model. I think that's a side effect of what they're, of what they're achieving. Yeah. But it's the sort of guy where, you know, like if you had a daughter and she brought him home, you'd, you'd, you'd be happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You'd, you'd be comfortable with that. Um, and he's just he's just a baller. He's you know he's he's so good at golf. And then you see his interview after, and you realise how much it meant to him for his family to be there and kind of not getting the win. I don't know if you saw it, but he he got really choked up. Um, and it was just refreshing. It was refreshing to see somebody that cared that much about what he was doing. Um, and I'm I'm a big big fan. I, I'm I'm the, the guy's grown on me so much in the last kind of. Four to six months, maybe a bit longer, um, and I'm I'm really pleased that he's he's doing doing really well and he's having his moment. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, he's he's a fantastic player, absolutely brilliant, and yeah, I mean, he's an absolute shoe in for the American Ryder Cup team, isn't he? And, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna win again very quickly because he just keeps churning out performances. He's kind of learned how to win, and I think. <laughs> To get to that next level, where I, I believe Ram is, it, it's it, it's very fine margins, isn't it? it it's not a lot between um, Homer and, and Ram there in terms of quality, but there's just something that little bit special about John Ram, isn't there? When you watch him play golf, and I, I think it's an intimidation thing as well because he's just he doesn't play the same game of golf that Max Homer plays. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I, I, I get that. There, pulls drive around, absolutely rips it every single time. And Homer's more yeah. of a... You know, well, also, around, so. you know, I think I think Max Max Homer's also, in theory, is, is a bit of a latecomer. Um, you know, when when you look at John Rahm, who's, you know, won three times this year, but he's he's 28 now. Yeah. Ten, you know, he's, he's had, you know, 10, 10 career wins. But, you know, Max Homer's... What in his in his he's definitely in his thirties, isn't he? Well, he's had he's had ten PGA Tour wins, and for some reason that's the only one anyone counts. But he has won on the European Tour a few times as well. So yeah, nat- naturally, um, and yeah, Max Max Homer's thirty two. Um, you know, six career wins, but he's up to he's up to eighth in the world golf rankings now. Which I know, you know, we could talk about that another time about how obsolete that's becoming. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's um, yeah. Well, I don't, know, I don't know. You could, I suppose, you could call it a man crush if you want. I'm happy with that. On Max Homer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I absolutely love John Rahm, by the way. Don't don't worry about that. But <laughs> yeah, if if, if you want to, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with it being a man crush. No problem. Yeah, I mean, he's. Well, I mean, I I'm more in the John Rahm sort of camp, but I get I get where you're coming from with Homer because he's just he's just such a likable chap and he do I mean he's just a really, yeah. really nice guy. But yeah, I mean um you know Ram Ram's actually won I think something like nineteen times uh, around the world which is which is very, very good. Um yes. so I mean that that is uh yeah despite People on the PJ Tour only counting PJ Tour wins, but um, yeah, he's yeah. nearly double that around the world, which which is just amazing at his age. And you know, granted, Seve didn't play his, his golf exclusively on the PJ Tour, but but winning more tournaments on the PJ Tour than Seve is still a hell of an achievement. I think um, Sergio Garcia is maybe his next person to eclipse, and I think he's only one off that. So you know, who's to say he's not going to knock that off by the end of next month? Probably, probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, it could, it could very easily do that, but um, 
but yeah, amazing playing, amazing to see him. And obviously, we, we can't talk about him without talking about Callaway and uh, Paradigm. And this week, we see the actual release at retail of Paradigm, and he's doing them nothing but good, is he? They, I'm sure they would be very happy with him. Uh, I'm sure they would. Way. <clears throat> yes. Speaking now, where, where do we go from here? Do we talk about equipment? Because I know that you you text me. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a big one, by the way, this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about next this week, coming week. Let's talk about it this week, and then we'll come let's back to that. that. And then we'll get on to equipment, okay? <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, we have, on DP World Tour, we have the Hero Indian Open, uh, which tends to be a little bit of a weaker field, tends to be an event that some guys take the week off, and tends to be a chance for a lot of Indian players to get uh, starts on the DP World Tour. And and looking at the entry lists, we can see a hell of a lot of Indian players in there playing, which, you know, I've got nothing against that whatsoever. I think that's great. Um, again, it's going to be on a slightly friendlier time this week to watch. So, and kind of for, from my uh, perspective, Marcus Armitage is playing and I'm hoping he's going to have a great week because he needs one. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to look past people like the Hoy Guards and um, are playing so well, to be honest. And, you know, I, I think one of them could win this week. I think one of them could win this week. I am also looking at Shubanka Sharma. Oh yeah, right, for the right. home for the home win. Home very good. Yeah, I mean he's had he's had two two DP World Tour wins. He won them very quickly back to back a couple of years back, maybe two or three years ago. Um, showed some signs towards the end of last year. Um, why not? It's probably Absolutely. familiar with the course. Why not, indeed? Um, um, so we have on the PJ Tour, we have the Honda Classic this week, which again isn't one of the elevated events, so we're not going to see a stronger field as we have for the last two weeks. But we've still got some seriously good players playing in the field. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've looked down who's who's playing. Uh, obviously, Stracker won last year. Um, Lowry second. Lowry's playing again, and I think I would have a cheeky each way bet on Shane Lowry this week. If, if I'm honest, there's Alex Norren who's done well there before, who's in the field. Um, yeah, and it's the, kind of the start of the Florida swing now, isn't it? Yeah, and this is the the bear trap, isn't it? Yes, which right. often often throws up lots of drama. Um, I would say I would tell you to save your money on. Um, Shane Lowry and put it on Sung J Im instead. You reckon? I reckon so. He has one round there. Really before. got something against Shane Lowry, haven't you? I don't, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I just, you know, he's he's a past winner. Sung J Im. I like past win- winners are often good, good kind of each way bets. Um, because you know, obviously, certain courses work for certain people. Absolutely, uh, yeah, brings I mean, back nice memories. That sort of thing. It's always fun to watch because people do have mares, don't they? When they when they get yeah. out of their bear trap, um, so yeah, quite perversely, it's it's good to watch that that sort of. Uh, <laughs> You're that guy sitting on the sofa yelling, "Get in the water!" Well, absolutely, because I just I've been there myself, and it's nice to see be- better players than me make the same mistakes, isn't it? So I think I think that's what that's what I kind of like about it. It's the same, you know, when you watch the players at Sawgrass and and what seems to be a very easy hole, and some of the best players in the world absolutely make a complete. Um, <laughs> complete mess. What, a complete what, Ryan? A complete what? <laughs> <laughs> mess is what I was going to say. Yeah, but, okay. um, of, of, a, of an easy hole. But 
but yeah, I mean, I've ne- never played uh, Sawgrass, but it's, it's one that's definitely on the bucket list. Bucket list, but yeah, the Honda Classic will be very good. I reckon Billy Horschel's a good, a good shout as well. Um, okay. You know, he's a went to college in Florida, love, loves playing in Florida. He's pretty close to home, so I think he lives in like Jacksonville or somewhere like that. So he's not a million miles away, um, and it'd be nice to see him play well again. So we've got. Also, the return of Liv this week, yeah. So they're down in Mayacoba in uh, Mexico. A few new players have joined Liv, one being Thomas Peters, who, you know, is fairly vocal about the fact that he's number 34 in the world and couldn't get into the Genesis this week, which, you know, I, I thought was, you know, a fair comment from him, if I'm honest. Oh, uh, uh, this one comes as a shock to me. Yeah, I, I think predict, particularly as it's a Ryder Cup year, yeah. But I, I kind of see where he's coming from, if I'm brutally honest. Um, yeah, so I, I know, I think, because we haven't really spoken about this properly on the podcast, but I think that we have slightly different opinions as far as Liv is concerned. Um, I, I, I understand the reasons behind why he would want to do it. But I also understand, I I can also see lots of reasons why he maybe shouldn't have done it. But then I can't, I can't decide for him, you know, like I just see that, I just see it as, you know, at that point for me, they're, they're choosing money over, you know, especially in the Ryder Cup year, you know, he's, he was very vocal last week on, on social media about not getting into the Genesis, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know the fact that he's ranked thirty fourth in the world and he didn't get in, and I and I, and I get it. You know I understand his frustrations, but I almost feel like what what was the point of moaning about that if you was just going to kind of give it all up anyway? Um, I don't know. No, I don't want to. Do you think you'd made that decision before not being able to get in the Genesis? Um, I don't think that you can make that decision that quick. I don't think he's not got into the Genesis and thought. Do you know what? So this, I'm going to live. Um, there must have been conversations. Um, there must have been conversations before that. If if he has, then it's a bit of a toys out the prime moment, in my opinion. If you've not got into an event, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean a lot, and you don't, and you don't like that, and I and I understand it. But there's, there's if if that's why he's you know maybe then just jumped on the blower and got on got on the front of Greg and was like, look, I'm not having this, mate. I'm coming over. You know that's a bit, it's a bit cut your nose off to spite your face. In my opinion, in my opinion, um, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I will still be watching it. You know, I, I will still be watching the the tournament, and and hopefully, you know, we'll see some good golf. And I'm pretty sure when you've got the likes of Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, hopefully Brooks Kepka finding some form, Sergio, people like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, Oosthuizen, we're, we're going to see some good golf. DeChambeau, you know, all these sorts of players that are huge names in the world of golf. You know, I, I, I want to see them play. Do you know, as a, as a, as a, you know, as an avid consumer of golf, do you know those list of names that you just reeled off, do you know there's only one person that I actually miss watching on the PJ Tour? Who's that? Bryson. Not Cam Smith. Not not Cam Smith. Like Cam Smith is a great golfer, and arguably, I, arguably, world number one as well. Um, I, I'm not sure at the moment, head to head, because 
you know, we can sit and we can have a conversation about John Rahm being world number one because he's just won three of the last five events. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think Rahm is. Yeah, you know. Um, but there's an well, argument to say Cameron Smith. Yeah, but based based on the fact that, you know, like when was the last time? I, I generally don't know the last time he played golf. I think he played just before Christmas in the event in um, Australia, which he won, didn't he? The yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, yeah. so can whilst whilst you've got you know whilst you've got these guys, you know, I'd put you know you you look at the former Max Hunter, for example, like someone we've spoken about. You know, he's he's won he's won a PJ Tour event since Cameron Smith last played any kind of event. Um. I know, I know. You then start leaning into a conversation about, you know, the world rankings and stuff. But it's it's hard for me to get behind somebody that's quite happy to just play fourteen events a year. I totally understand their decisions to do it, um, and it's it's entirely up to them. We can talk about the full swing. We I know we will talk about full swing and, and some of the some of the issues that have come up from that. But you know, you, you, you look at Brooks Kepka, for example, there's now rumours that he wants out of living, wants to come back to the PJ tour. Yeah, I mean that's that's something I, w- I was going to talk about later on as well when we get into the full swing because that that was fairly I don't I don't know. I having watched that full swing episode that focused a lot on Brooks Kepka I, I kind of understand why he went to live for money. Can we? I mean, we can. We could almost dive straight into that now if you want, and yeah, kind of can do. Yeah, I mean, um, because I, mean, I so I've I've got an opinion of Brooks Kepka before he went to live. Okay, and that so so maybe that means that I when I sat and watched that episode, I what what I saw is I saw somebody that was almost completely contradicting himself, was somebody that... So let me start. My opinion on Brooks Kepka is I, I thought he was a bit of a bit of an arse, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, I thought he, he rocked up to events, he put a camera in front of him and he wanted people to believe that he was the it guy, that he's the guy that doesn't bother practising for PGA Tour events, that he only really wants to turn up in the majors. And don't get me wrong, he had his spell where he won, what, four in the space of two years. And... Everybody thought, rightly so, everybody thought that this is a guy that could go on and dominate. And then you lose a little bit of form and you start to question yourself. So so that's fine, right? So Brooks then sits in front of a camera and says, you know, I've got no interest. The PJ Tour is where it's at. You know, I, you know, I don't want it. And then kind of does a 360 because he's worried that he can't compete on the PJ Tour anymore. And what you saw in that full swing episode was quite a candid um, kind of, you know, uh, a, a guy that seemed a shadow of his former self when it comes to confidence and self belief. Yeah, huge. And, and yeah, for me, that was the biggest surprise because I didn't think. I, I and this is stupid because you just think that those guys are superhuman, really, and and that's kind of how they've got to where they are. You know, they don't have mental frailty. They don't have, you know, a lack of self belief. When you're as good as Brooks Kepka is. I, for me, I I can't get my head around him thinking of himself in that way because, he, and and I I think that's the only reason he's he's done that because he's he's I think in the back of his mind he's thought I'm never going to get back to the level I was at before. Yeah. So um, so, so do I just guarantee myself some money and, and go <laughs> to live? And I think he probably has made he has done that. 
Yeah, so you'll have to forgive me, right, because I don't know any of the results from Liv. Am I right in saying that he actually won an event? Um, I don't think so. Liv. Okay. So so here's my take. So he's he's struggling he struggled for form. He struggled for confidence. He got involved in a really stupid spat with Bryson DeChambeau, which he really didn't need to do. Um I almost feel like that possibly affected his form a little bit a little bit more than what he would probably let on. Um, Because you think back, it wasn't that long ago, those two was, you know, that was the talk of the PGA Tour, wasn't it? This Brooks versus Bryson thing. And, you know, that all started getting out of hand. And I think he lost his way. He stopped focusing on what he was doing right. And when you see him sitting there, you know, opening up to his mum on a sofa, saying, I just don't think I can compete with these guys anymore. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my golf all the time. I'm working really hard. I'm trying to do the right things. It's almost like a massive contradiction to I'm Brooks, the untouchable. I don't practice for PJ tour events. I can beat half the field by turning up. Yeah. Um, but there was one, there was one piece of me where he showed his trophies cabinets on the wall, the majors. And it was clear to him how much they meant to him because they were up on the wall. And he had empty spaces in his trophy cabinet. And he said that he was saving those spaces for the big events. Yeah. And then he gave it all up to, you know, let's be honest. He gave it all up to chase money. He gave it all up to go and win loads of money or play for loads of money, guaranteed money on, on live. Now, I was buzzy because he's still, he can still play in the masters. Yeah. But at the moment he doesn't believe he can do it. He doesn't believe he can do it. And, he was sitting there watching the waste management, an event that he's done that well at in the past. He would have been sitting there watching um, Genesis. And, and I think he, honestly, I think he possibly does regret his decision. I kind of hope the guy finds some form. I do. I wasn't his biggest fan. I'm still not his biggest fan. I found it a little bit two-faced, The you know his, his attitude towards it. Um you know, if he's if he's going to turn up to the Masters in what forty five days now, off the back of you know, I don't know how many events he would have played in on live between now and then, but I do believe he's going to be at a massive disadvantage to people like John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, that have had lots of competitive golf in the run up to that event. Yeah. Um, and it just it it didn't strike me. What I'm saying is it didn't strike me as somebody that wanted to continue to compete for the big ones. He just look. I know you're right. He will still be playing in the majors, but I think he's putting himself at a massive disadvantage. Um, even having to play four rounds of competitive golf instead of three. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Um, and look, that 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 was my take. Do you know, what? I actually felt sorry for him a little bit um, in in that episode because he's 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 clearly lost. Um. You know, I can relate to, you know, when he's sitting there and he's saying um Jenner was talking to him and all he's thinking about is his golf swing. You know, that made me chuckle because... Well, and you can I, tell when he was sat there, he just wasn't listening to a word you were saying. So. Yeah, but, you know, I just, I do, I have to, I have to ask myself, you know, how much of that is, is for the cameras as well? You know, because these guys are not stupid. They know that the cameras are following them around. Um, I'll touch on that with the Ian Poulter episode. Yeah. Th- there was... There was just times where, you know, I I questioned how authentic it was and how much of it was put on. Um, I know that that was my that was my overriding feeling from the from the Brooks Kepka episode. Anyway, 
You're going to tell me something different. I I ended up feeling sorry for him. If I'm honest, um, I I kind of just the the bit that shocked me was how kind of little he thought about himself and and how all his confidence had gone. I just I just didn't think that of someone like him. I mean, yeah, he's he won those majors in quick succession. Um. Yeah, and it, he had struggled with injuries as well, right? Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he'd, had, he'd had like two years pretty much where he'd really, really struggled. Yeah. Um, and what I would say, right, is I don't wish that on anybody. Um, and that's tough for, for anybody to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he's gone across there. He's, he's obviously made some money. He has won an event. He's, and I, do, I just don't like, I don't know. He just didn't, I I think he went there because he he thought he wasn't going to get back to form again, and I think now he has. He thinks, well, I, I want to be back on the PJ tour, <laughs> um, and I don't blame him if I'm honest. If, do you, if, do you think if you, where, where would you rather play? You'd rather play PJ tour, wouldn't you? Yeah. Do you think if he was to come back, do you think he would be a little bit more candid, a little bit more reserved, or do you think he'd come back in kind of? It depends. Yeah. I think if his game got to the stage it was at before, I think he would be very similar to the way he was before. Yeah. Because I think that's that's where you get to. And, and he'll have looked at people like Tiger, and that's what they were like when they were winning everything, weren't they? Well, I, I always I always got the impression that he wanted to be like the next Tiger. Yeah. And I know that golf has always cried out for another Tiger Woods. And I think, you know, a lot of people in media press are, are almost guilty of needing that. And I, I can understand why, you know, they did it with Rory McIlroy. They did it with Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Um, they did it with Jason Day. They did it with Brooks Koepka. Um, you know, I, you know, I understand why, but he was the one that I think he, he believed that he wanted to be the next Tiger. And that's why he saw Tiger's attitude towards it. And he almost felt like, well, that's what worked for Tiger, so I need to do that. And that was always the kind of feeling that I got from him. And it and it just struck me as a little bit arrogant, if I'm being honest. Um, and I know that you need that little bit to be at the top of any game in any sport. But I think there's a line, and I, I just felt like he overcrossed it sometimes. It's just my opinion. No, I, I'm, I, I'm here to I, be proved right or wrong. What you're saying. I think that the, the thing in that episode that really kind of got me as well was the massive contrast between him and Scotty Scheffler because it was them two that were kind of focused on in yeah. that episode. And Scheffler was just like so chilled out. Um, but then I guess when you're winning and everything's going your way, that's how you are, isn't it? It, it feels, you know yourself when you're playing well in not just golf, but any sport and or anything that you do well, it feels easy, doesn't it? It feels like it's the easiest thing in the world. Whereas we all know how hard golf is, but we've all had rounds where where it's felt very, very easy and, and we've shot good scores and you just kind of wonder why the heck he can't do it every week. And, and Scheffler's, you know, was in that purple patch started last year and and won as many times as he did, got to world number one, won the Masters. And, you know, if you were to say to him, which I think that's in the programme, you know, what what are you thinking about every day? And he's, he's like, nothing, just, just get up every day, play golf as well as I can and I go to bed and sleep really well every night. Whereas Kepka's clearly... Laid in bed at night, can't sleep thinking about how bad his golf swing is and how he's not hitting it very well and the scores he's shooting and it must tear you up absolutely because you know how good you can be. But I suppose we, you know, we've seen players like Jordan Spieth go through similar things. Where I mean, the, the thing that they say on on the full swing is is almost that Spieth 
has always been this like imperious golfer. Well, he hasn't because he he kind of fell off the radar for a couple of years, didn't he? And, and he did didn't do anything, and he's he's sort of grinded his way back to being one of the best players in the world again. And and yeah, he is getting some of that confidence back. I still don't think he's got back to where he was, you know, when when golf did look so easy for him. You know, when he won the Masters and um, when he won the um, US Open and and when he won the the Open so easily, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And that golf at that time did did look very easy for him. But I, I want to move on a bit to the episode I watched after that, which focused on a guy that I didn't really know a lot about um, until watching this episode. I do know who he is. I have watched him play golf a lot of time, and mainly I know who he is because he's uh, Travis Matthew. Look after him, right? So so I've kind of kept an eye on him. Um, for a while, but um, that's Joel Damon, really. It, and it kind of focused on him and his kind of relationship with his caddy, uh, Gino Benali, and and the two of them were just, I just thought they were hilarious. And it's kind of what, it's how I would want to be if I had a caddy on the PGA Tour as well, yeah. It was just so much fun that they were having all the time. Yeah, it was. Um, it was very easy to sit and watch that episode with a big grin on your face. Because you just see two guys that are obviously best mates get on so well with each other. Yeah. Um, you know, they say that you spend more time with your colleagues than what you do your family. And in, in a professional golfer's case, and you know, that's true because you're not just spending, you know, five hours on a golf course with each other. You're, you're away, do you know what I mean, all the time. Um, and yeah, it was good to see that, good to see that bond that they had. And obviously he's a guy that's been through you know, quite a lot himself. His own personal story is quite moving. Yeah, so losing his mum when he, I think he was 17, wasn't he? And yeah. He died of cancer. He's had testicular cancer himself and kind of come through that and, and battled through it, although he played it down massively. I mean, it must have been so tough for him. But I, I just I just think he, he seems like such a nice guy and also, again, someone who's clearly got a serious amount of talent but doesn't really think that he has. Um, that last, that last, that last one or two percent is is just down to that self belief, isn't it? Well, it it has to be because he's got the game, and he showed that in obviously in the U.S. Open, didn't he, last year? That that he's yeah. a very very good golfer, and you know who's who's to say he couldn't? You know, his caddy was saying that he thinks he could be a top thirty player in the world, and and Joel himself basically kind of rubbished that and said, "No, I can't," which yeah. I just think I I just can't get. You know, when you're on the PGA Tour, you're good enough to get in the top 30 on the PGA Tour because you, if you're good enough to be there in the first place, I think if you can find some consistency, then yeah, you know, who knows where you're going to be? You know, so he, he's clearly massively talented, and I'm, you know, I, I I will look out for him now every week to see how he's getting on because because I just think everything about him just kind of struck a chord with me as a as a person who, you know, kind of has talent and um, but just doesn't believe in himself enough and I just hope he finds that kind of missing few percent and, and does does do really well I think he's you know I know we haven't got time to kind of dive into every single episode this week but I mean we can do if people want us to next well, week but... I'm only up to that one so we can't talk about it anymore oh, right, okay I was gonna say <laughs> you know there, I think I think there's there's some people that have come out come out of this um documentary series docuseries whatever you call it looking really, really good. And there's a couple that maybe have come out not looking that great. 
Yeah. Joel, Joel Damon is one of them. Um, I'm assuming you haven't got up to the Matt Fitzpatrick episode yet. No, I think that's the next one. So. That's the next one. You'll enjoy that. You'll yeah. enjoy that. But um, um, but no, I, I I've enjoyed the whole thing so far. Really, I think I think it's very good, and I think it. I was expecting it to kind of make all the guys who went to live almost look like devil worshippers, but it kind of hasn't done that. Really, it's been kind. It's been quite good. Um, from that from that respect and but I, I just think it shows the human side of the players a lot more which which is what I want to see you know yeah good. definitely cool so right we'll move on so this week we do have a guest on the podcast okay so um we all know my, myself included and and you Matt we probably consume a lot of YouTube content um most weeks whether it's reviews that we watch whether it's course vlogs that people do whether you know what whatever it is you are we obviously produce them ourselves here at golf shake but i was lucky enough to spend a bit of time with james robinson this week so i spoke with him about his kind of journey into creating content and obviously how he then turned it into his full-time job and also chatted to him a little bit about some of his experience that he's had while doing that so let's hear right now from james so, James, thanks for joining us. And I suppose let's start at the beginning. What got you into golf in the first place? Uh, well, first thing, thanks for having me. Um, I've not done many of these, actually, and I do I really enjoy uh, stuff like this. But, yeah, my, my dad, more than anything, uh, the people who watch my channel will have seen my dad in and around it. Like, he's he had a big heart attack a few years ago. We're straight into the fun stuff. Well, we are, aren't we? But, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, he had a, a big heart attack a few years ago, and I think... I've tried to get him on the channel more, so it's memories for me as well. Yeah. Um, so I try and help him with his game. We have a lot of fun challenges. Uh, and um, obviously a lot of big brands quite enjoy helping him as well because such as one of the big videos I did with him was the Titleist TSI 1 driver. Yeah. Um, and that for him, like there's not many drivers out there that can help you gain like honest distance. But I think the TSI 1 for the older generation, slower swing speeds really, really helped. Um, so stuff like that really helps. But yeah, I mean, my dad got me into it. I actually didn't, didn't like golf at the time. Okay. Um, I remember him because we moved up from Mansfield uh, to Sheffield. Uh, my dad always loved golf, but we actually lived near a golf course then. And I was only about 10 or 11. And he said, oh, James, I want you to come and play golf. My, my brother was always really good. Um, but I'll give him a little, um, a little dig there because he got off scratch uh, quite a few times. Uh, and I just didn't fancy it. Like I've got a twin sister. We got on really well, and I just always wanted to like play football and be like one of the lads. But yeah, eventually, I, I don't know. I think it's you probably see it teaching a lot more than I do at the minute. As soon as someone gets okay at it or gets good at it, then they really, really get into it. And that's as soon as the bug got me. I was there summer holidays, three rounds a day, pat lunch in the bushes, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely owe it to my dad getting into it. So then, from from there, you, you've obviously got to the stage where you've you've thought, well, I can make a career out of this, and I'm going to do my PGA training. Um, and what what kind of led you down that road? Probably, um, I went to work in a factory when I was I finished sixth form, so I was eighteen, um, and that was again my mum and dad saying, "What do you want to do?" Um, and I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to go to uni because I'm, I'm not the brightest spark. I don't want to waste a load of money. Um, so he said, well, come and work in the factory. Uh, he was managing director at the time or something like that. He was high up at the time, I think. And it was a, a factory in Leeds and it made 
Have you ever heard of Camp Bastion in yeah, Afghanistan? Yeah, I have, so yeah. it made made the bastions that go in there. Right. It was really hard work. Wow. Like it was stupidly hard work. And um I don't know if a couple of lads do listen to this and do watch my stuff, so they'll they'll back me up that like it was just it was really boring, but it was really hard at the same time physically. Did that for two years and just took a step back and thought everyone around me was like mid thirties, forties doing that, and I thought I I can't be doing this for like twenty years. So just took a leap of faith really into what I wanted to do. I knew I was never a, a good enough golfer to play, which I think a lot of the lads who do the PGA deep down know. Um, a lot of people weren't as probably brutal as I was with myself and admitted it at the time. But I just wanted to work in golf. I wanted to work in any kind of sport, really, and I thought that was my pathway I was off for. I met the criteria to do the the PGA, did the playing ability first time. Which did you have to do that? You don't have to do that. No, you I didn't play, couldn't I, you? Well, not really, but I was off scratch, <laughs> so I didn't have to do it. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, I passed that first time, which was again, I think if I'd have failed that, I'd probably have thought go and do something else kind of thing. But everything just aligned really to get into it. And um I did a lot of coaching in schools as an assistant and stuff and really enjoyed that. And like a lot of my PE teachers I remember were really, really like good. And I thought, oh, I'll never be a teacher but I might be able to coach in some regard. So I try and take it off. I did try and take a lot of that into it, which, which again, I really enjoyed. So yeah, like Mr. Taylor, Mr. Crook, Mr. Gibbons, all really, really had a big say on that really for me. Cool. And obviously you, you did your PGA training um, at Huddersfield Golf Club, yeah? No, I did it. Tankers. Did you? Club. Right. Okay. Yeah, Ian Kirk, yeah. Wonderful. And what was that where you played your golf as a junior? It, it was a funny one, actually, because I played at Wortley Golf Club, which is like a stone's throw away. Yeah. Uh, and Ian, who I think he's just retiring now, actually, but he was the head pro at both. Okay. So I employed Rich Crawshaw, who, again, Rich had a massive, massive impact on, on my golfing life as well. Like taught me from being a, a young kid when I didn't want to be there. Um, to now I'm really good friends with Rich, which is nice. But Rich was one of the pros who worked for Ian at Wortley. Um, I came in as a Saturday boy, I think it was while I was at sick form um, at Wortley. Never worked at Tankersley. But then, again, things kind of aligned where one of the lads left at Tankersley. That that job came up and I just said to Ian, can I can I, can I do another training? And he said, yeah. Um, he'd known me from being a kid, so it worked really well. And I think you hear that story a lot with pros, don't you? Juniors kind of working up through the ranks, being a Sunday boy, being an assistant, junior coaching, and then obviously being fully fledged member yourself. Definitely, and you know that's that's sort of similar to what I did. I kind of didn't think I was ever going to be a golf pro, if I'm honest, and and was more in the kind of corporate side of it, and mm-hmm. then and then decided, yeah, I do want to do my PGA sort of later in my twenties and and do it from there. But yeah, everyone has different paths into the PGA, I suppose, don't they? And yeah, I think um, they do, yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I was fairly clear from early on I wasn't going to be good enough to play full time. So it, it again, it's another string to you your bow. You better than me, though. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, mate. To be honest, but uh, but yeah, certainly probably not now. But um, there's obviously then that step into what you do now. So YouTube content creation, and and where did that kind of start, and what what made you do that? To start it's a with? funny one, Matt, because I always as soon as you said what you do now, I always think, what do I do now? <laughs> Because there's that many different things that we do. And I mean, oh, you spin, you spin multiple plates on a daily basis yourself, but I don't see myself as a YouTuber. I probably do on one hand because of the other stuff I do on YouTube. So like the family channel we've got. And I mean, I've got four YouTube channels, Yep. which obviously I have my main one. We'll get good at golf, which you've just started yeah, with which Chris, Chris as well. Do. Yeah, that's, that's going strong. We've got memberships on there now and stuff, which we've got a small group of people who are really enjoying it and, 
we've got kind of big plans with that, really big plans to grow that into more than just a just a YouTube community and um, probably a pathway for me to get back into the teaching element as well because it has consumed me over the last three or four years. My wife will tell you that as well, but in a good way. Like I really got my teeth into it. Like financially, it's great. It helps. It helps what we're doing. We've got a baby boy on the way as well. So for me, probably the busiest time of my life at the moment, but something that, yeah, what do I do? Because I, I want to see myself as more than that, but then you have to, like I don't have a big team around me. There's me, Laura, I class Chris is in my team as well, and that's it. Whereas I know a lot of the guys who maybe you speak to might have teams of five, ten people, and I, I don't I don't want that stress. I want to be yeah. able to teach myself how to edit, teach myself how to make a thumbnail, teach myself how to make a podcast and stuff like that. So and I, I would argue that that should be part of the PGA now. I, I think it might be. Now, I don't know. It? If but, it's not, it should be. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I don't know. With the PGA, for me, I've, I've struggled a little bit. The ones asked me to do some work for them, and they, they weren't going to pay. And I thought, is that something that you want to really tell people? Like, do you yeah. go come and do this qualification? And then, like, I, I think money is um, seen as a dirty word in, in the golf profession as well. I've noticed it working in the shop, teaching, obviously on YouTube comments and things like In any other walk of life, profit isn't a dirty word. No. Whereas I think not. in the golf industry, it's almost seen as, oh, what, what are you making there? What what can I do? And it's like, that that shouldn't even be a thing. If you're working hard, then you're going to make a bit of money. And I think that's what I think most golf pros should embrace as well, realistically. And I think the skills that we have as golf professionals as well are kind of overlooked massively like I you mean, say my bunker I mean, shots are incredible <laughs> honestly they are but I mean more the kind of service element of what yeah. we deliver to people and you know certainly you know I I would match pretty much every price that I ever see but people still would go somewhere and troll through the internet yeah for, knockers are tenor off right yeah, yeah exactly and um, you know and I, I will if, if I, I can do it I mean there's obviously some silly prices out, out there but I, I believe that the service that you offer... Then what offer... happens when it goes wrong, though? Because I used to see that all the time yeah. with trolleys especially. Oh, knock us this off. Okay, but then when it goes wrong, you bring it to me. Well, yeah, because you're my pro. Okay. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do that with a car dealer and then take it back to the dealer you've just tried to barter down. But no. again, that's where I, I find the golf industry really interesting in that people are happy to take... The, the help but not want to kind of pay the fee for the help yeah absolutely and you know i, I would i would back back myself service-wise over pretty much anybody really i mean um and, and i think that's where the value lies you know someone coming to me for a fitting i'm not incentivized to sell any brand over another i, I couldn't care less what that person yeah. walks out with as long as it's right for them and that they and there's that trust element that you build up with that person isn't there so i want them to it might be a driver I'm fitting for today, but when they want a fairway wood or a set of items, they come back to me because I've looked after them, and, and that's yeah. how... I guess that's similar with me and my audience, you know, because I always find that when I... I mean, you know yourself, you, you do a lot of the content with, with club reviews, and I find that if I put two videos... Bear in mind, I do, do a video a day, so if I put two or three videos on of one brand in a week, which sometimes you have to do because, obviously, the driver release, the fairway release, iron release... Yeah. Um, people go, oh, you're being paid by that brand and you're this and, <laughs> and you're being very biased. When are you doing this? It's like, I've, I've never taken a payment from a club manufacturer for a review and like you you won't take any kind of specialist commission for selling to your members. It's I think if you if you give someone your honest opinion on something and they don't believe it, 
that's probably more on them than it is on you. So I, I agree with you there. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't see um, what you do in terms of creating content on YouTube. And I know I've seen this in some of the comments that you've gone back to. Some people don't see what you do as a job. Hmm. Um, don't quite give it the credit that I think you deserve. And it, you have to be incredibly driven to do what you do. And, or stupid. Well, or stupid, yeah. And, and also very thick-skinned because... I, you know, some of the comments that, you know, you've got 230,000 people watching your own channel at the mm. moment. And just by those numbers alone, you're going to get so many comments on every video you do. Some of them good, some of them bad. And, and dealing with the negative ones is, is obviously a skill that you acquire over time as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, one of the big things that you can do, which is great, is you can, you can mute people, you can mute words. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the, the best thing, so for anyone who has left, like, negative comments for me, and you think you're not blocked, the best thing is if you're muted, you don't know. Right, so you, okay. can sh- you can stand there, open the door, shout as much as you want. No one no one ever sees it. Fine. So you're wasting your time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, I, I read, you know, comments that you get that, you know, other YouTube creators get as well. And I think, Jesus Christ, if I read that about me, it would, it would get to me. It would, it yeah, would affect I think you know it, I mean? if it's constructive, I really don't mind. But when it turns into abuse, then there's a line, isn't there? Like, yeah. my, my dad obviously will watch videos and look at comments. My mum probably does. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have you really got the time to sit there and, I don't know, yeah. pick, pick on how someone looks on a YouTube video? Strange. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. But um, but yeah, there are those people out there, mate. There I, I once had a really interesting conversation, actually, with Sean Foley. Uh, and I, this is, that's a name drop. But I was, was going to say. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever met him. <laughs> uh, and we're in Dubai and we'd had a few beers. Um, and he was asking me all about what I do. And he said, how do you deal with the negativity? And I kind of... At the time, I probably didn't deal with it as, as good as I do now. I feel like I've got it under wraps now. I like to have a laugh and a joke with people sometimes and just laugh it off. But he said, you know, the big thing is when anyone relays any negativity towards you, realistically, it's them looking inside a mirror of themselves and it's what they're uncomfortable with about themselves. I thought, yeah, that's gold, that. So for, any, <laughs> yeah, for anyone that does struggle with that, that's, yeah, that's because he's a very philosophical man. And that really helped, actually. Good. I mean, I, I've obviously watched some of the full swing episodes that he's been in, in mm. the, and, and he's very much like that, isn't he? About yeah. just about every player that he talks about. So, yeah, I mean, this this job, this kind of career that you've carved out for yourself, obviously requires lots and lots of travel. You're away from home a lot. Obviously, now you've got Laura pretty much coming with you to most things that you do, other than yeah. the fact that she's heavily pregnant at the moment. So, yeah, um, that? yeah, there's <laughs> almost a ticking clock there before your little boy's born, but. What, what are the favourite parts about your job at the moment? Monday mornings. Okay. Because Monday mornings for me, I always try and make that I can have an editing morning. So, And that, that's not me saying I roll out of bed at whatever time and I'm still up and still about, but I don't have to get in the car and be anywhere for 9am or 7am like I used to do in the factory. And that's probably one of my little wins, really, where, I mean, unless it's bright sunshine and the rest of the week forecast terrible, that's one of the things... That you have to keep an eye on him what, what you do because obviously you need to be outside a lot of the time but yeah I quite enjoy that and the traveling for me is is fun but like in 2019 just before the pandemic I did 110,000 air miles right which was like far too much yeah. it, it does take its toll like I've like put, put, put even, even down to eating crap and putting weight on and stuff like that it's very very difficult and people don't see that I don't know how the tour pros do it because they, they must do 300,000 air miles a year. It's crazy. But, I mean, did you see the LPGA tour thing that was going around? Yeah, that, that? literally. I mean, some of the 
traveling there is just bonkers when they're going from one city on one side of America, then back over to the other coast yeah, and then go into the course down the road from the one they were at two weeks ago. It's crazy. It's and that stupid. flight for me as well, like I've done LA twice in the last few weeks, obviously from, from London, from Heathrow, but that takes days to recover for me. I don't yeah. know how other how people do. Like you get there and we, me and Chris went to a Lakers game third quarter we were falling asleep yeah like it was uh, very very difficult but yeah half of me the Lakers game was difficult you know what I mean but, <laughs> yeah yeah was it good watching LeBron though yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah. I wish it was the game where he got the um oh the record, the record yeah. yeah but no it was really good yeah so you've just uh, signed a deal with Puma as well yeah so yeah. how did that come about and what do you think that's gonna do for you going forward um, it's a funny one because I actually got some stick for that because obviously working with Adidas in the past for a long time, then Castor for 12 months uh, and then Reflow for six months and, and now Puma's more of a longer term longer term ideology which was a, a big bonus for me and like, the guys at Puma who I've spoken to have been absolutely fantastic. Like Something that we spoke about quite a while, uh, I've, been, I've been wearing the shoes for a while which probably helps, like, the, the, I know I'm, I'm sponsored but it's so comfy um, and then like the opportunities that could potentially arise from it are massive. Like obviously the people I know who already wear it, like tubes and people like that, and um, obviously a few tall pros, if I can get opportunities with them, um, it would re really help me just create better content really as well. Like um, I really enjoyed working with um, with Reflow for six months. That's something where we met, isn't it, up at Dundonald? Yeah, that's and right. Yep. They were great. Rory's doing a fantastic job with that, but, um, I guess just just one, it's one of the biggest brands in the world, isn't it? And yeah, huge. For them to recognise what I'm doing is quite humbling, actually. So that's that's what really kind of did the deal for me. Like they were, they took me and Laura down to to their London HQ and showed us around the Puma offices, and that's the stuff where, like, when you're doing your PJ or when I'm working in the factory, that's somebody else doing that. You don't even think that that would happen to you. So I'm a big believer in when a chance like that comes, take grab it with two hands and just try and do the best you can do with it. So. Um, it's very, very early days with it. Like um, I'm waiting on the, the new drop, actually, which I think even even as a 30-odd-year-old large bloke, you still look forward to seeing all the new clothes come through and stuff like that, and it's really exciting. So um, they're supporting Chris as well with the Get Good at Golf channel, which we're not exactly going to go full Andy and Piers and match every day. We've, we've, <laughs> we've got a strict text each other and let us know so we don't wear the same. But, um, yeah, we're going to just try and look more professional, I suppose, as well, which cool. Puma can help us do absolutely, and like you say, they're they're an absolute giant of a brand in terms of every sport. You know, football, for instance, they, they look after some unbelievable players, and um, obviously Manchester City is a is a um, Puma sponsored club. Which is it? Obviously, you are, you won't be much of a fan of, but um, but you know, uh, you've obviously got the guys on tour as well, and. I, I just think how the sort of opportunities that opens up for you in terms of creating your content is just massive, isn't it? And, and when you've got a brand like that behind you, it must feel good to and, and sort of feel supported by someone like that. As well. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's a funny one because a few people seem to think that there's um, it has to involve the Cobra side of it as well. And obviously, although they are both owned by the same company, it's very much just a clothing and shoe deal. Um, so I'd like to clear that up. And I think a few people think, oh, well, you're definitely going to have everything Cobra in the bag now. And I'm very quite blunt about what I put in the bag. I put it in because I like it and that's it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so other projects, you've kind of alluded a little bit to get good at golf with Chris. Um, but what? where do you see that going in the next couple of years? What What do you want to achieve from get good at golf? 
helping people get good at golf. I know that, that sounds like such a, such a... But but is it kind of a... Are you looking for a certain number of people to... Not, um, not really. Kind of follow it and, and pay for it? Or is it... Have you got any sort of goals in, in mind? Have you set yourselves any benchmarks or anything like that? We're probably not that professional, to be honest. <laughs> um, Despite like, saying you're trying to yeah, be Yeah, like, yeah. to be honest, I saw... Um, <clears throat> and a lot of people thought we copied the good, good name, actually, which I, I found remarkable because... It's, it's, okay. a, it's a word. Yeah. Um, but I actually saw something. It was called, I remember I was in Spain and I was just like scrolling through the entire It was called Get Goodera at Basketball. <laughs> I saw that I thought, I mean, Goodera, I don't even a word. But get Good at is a very, very good slogan. And we were looking for something just to get our teeth into on the coaching side because I find that my channel does really well with challenges and with club reviews and all stuff like that, whereas the teaching stuff never really, I'm not sure my actual audience were that bothered. I think they'd probably go to maybe uh, me and my golf for stuff like that, or Danny Maud. Like Danny Maud's fantastic at it. But I thought, can we just branch off to a separate audience who know who I am, maybe know who Chris is, but want to still do keep our coaching hats on? Because I think if I, if I didn't make a coaching video or give a golf lesson for 12 months, you're behind, aren't you? Yeah. you're not you're not hands-on with what you're do, doing do you get to do much one-to-one coaching anymore or no not, no, no. I, I think i'd like to but it's very hard when you're running when you're trying to run these businesses and you're trying to essentially make as much revenue as you can i don't want to go in and charge someone x amount for a lesson because it has to be worth the time i think that i don't like that i'd rather people go and see someone who's going to give them the best value for money possible um, I still think we might do members meetups for Get Good at Golf, which is included in maybe like a, a smaller fee membership of a mass group of people. So I think that's from a business sense works works more more for me. Um, but certainly with the memberships we've got, we've got Sunday Club on there. Um, we're looking at setting up kind of an app to help people get more kind of one to one online specific coaching, which obviously means we can do it from an office and and they can have an interaction with us, which I think a lot of people enjoy. So. Yeah, very. It's an interesting time at the moment with coaching, online coaching and stuff, because you've got fantastic apps like Skillist and, and all stuff like that. What people can go on that take quite a, quite a percentage off the pros, I think, or they add, an, add a percentage on top because they have to make the revenue. Whereas I think if we can just have a platform ourselves to our audience, we can kind of charge people a, a nominal fee or a more respectable fee and give, give them value for money. Absolutely, and, and talk to us a little bit as well about Bunkered Life. So you're doing, yeah, doing that this Saturday actually down at the NEC. So really, really looking forward to that. And um, you've been practicing no. in the mirror. No, no, no. I'm no. um, <laughs> just going to wing it. Yeah, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, like because I think that's what people will people will expect. Like I don't, <laughs> if I walk down, and I've got a full best man speech in front of me. I think a lot of people. No PowerPoint, no. Oh, absolutely not. No. I don't even know how to work PowerPoint to be honest. So. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give a good, good kind of half an hour talk about. Um, I'm going to focus more on kind of what we've just spoken about, so about like the online generation and how to help yourself get good at golf by using all the tools possible to you. So not just get good at golf, not just me and Chris, but kind of all the other um, areas that, that you can potentially improve your golf for for cheaper. So yeah, I'm going to focus on that and might talk a little bit about products because I think a lot of people will be interested to hear kind of my ins and outs of dealings with product and manufacturers and stuff, but just kind of talk about golf for half an hour, to be honest, and I think an honest conversation. Very good. And completely off topic, you're about to become a dad. Yeah. Tell us about that. 
Uh, Are you exciting. nervous, excited, both? I'm not nervous, to be honest. No? no I, don't, I, I don't get nervous about much, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but very, just more excited, I think. Very, very excited. Laura's excited. We've got a couple of names in our head that we're, we're not sure about, so the nursery's all done. And as long as it's not Bruno or anything like that. No, no. no Cristiano was going to be here, but he's not <laughs> now, so, so we're not doing that. But um, no. Uh, and Laura's been fantastic. Like Laura, obviously, I... I'm in a phase where I want to get myself ahead with the business and with work so I can take maybe a month off or a few yeah. weeks off. And like that's not an easy thing to do in our lives, especially in the middle of the summer. Um, so Laura's been very hands-on with like the nursery and, and stuff like that. And we've, we've kind of redone all our bedroom and stuff. So it's, it's better for the baby and things. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a challenging time, but we can really see like the light at the end of the tunnel and really just looking forward to him probably growing up and taking him to, uh, the theatre of dreams and uh, oh god yeah <laughs> yeah and so. and if he wants to play golf he can play golf i'll certainly not force him into golf and see who he becomes i think it'd be really really interesting really fun yeah i mean I, i've certainly never done that with with either of my kids my oldest i've just seen a picture of them with liverpool tops on top yeah well my um oldest is five and she's just spent half term with a couple of days with me at the golf club last week and yeah. absolutely fallen in love with golf oh, good. so uh yeah she's I've never ever pushed them to do any of it, so yeah. I'd recommend you do the same. Yeah, just uh, just let them crack on. <laughs> but uh, but no, she's she's loving it. But seriously, mate, thank you so much for um, talking to us, spending some time with us, and we look forward to seeing what happens with not only your own channel and obviously having your little boy, but also uh, get good at golf. Brilliant, thanks a lot. So it was great to hear from James there. Thank you for spending so much time with us as well and hearing about his journey to. Um, sort of create creating content on a daily basis and being as busy as he is with with his work and obviously we heard a little bit there about um the uh deal that he's just signed with puma so uh doing a little bit joined, of and, and joined the puma fam hasn't he exactly yeah um and hopefully the doors that's going to open for him to create more content as well and um you know we wish him wish him well in the future he's obviously got his get good at golf channel that he's just started with chris dennis as well so Check that out as well if you're obviously looking for tips to improve your own golf game. But but yeah, Matt, it it's um, obviously someone like James has gone from working in a pro shop, um, doing his PGA training to to sort of having two hundred thirty thousand subscribers and and turning YouTube into a full time job. I mean, it, it does take some serious dedication to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know, I I'll be honest, I don't consume as much YouTube golf as what I do as what I did maybe five years ago. And I think that's purely because for me it's become a bit of a diluted market and I feel like a lot of the content is a bit samey. So what I would say is that people like James that have carved themselves out a you know, a, a pretty solid career out of out of doing that is, you know, I can only offer them Massive respect, really, because it's uh, it's a it's tough. You know, everyone's fighting for people's time ultimately and, and attention. So to be doing something to be able to grab enough of people and enough of their time is, uh, is yeah. You know, I mean, we we kudos. you all gravitate towards certain people that we watch on YouTube, but certainly from um, from my perspective, he's one of the people that I I watch probably quite a, a bit of their content from uh, I'll, I'll maybe watch one or two videos a week nothing massive I mean I, I don't spend hours on YouTube but um, he's one of the people that I do watch quite a lot of because I find him just more relatable than some people to be honest and because and he, he talks like you 
he's from Europe. You all know him to me, mate. You all know But yeah, uh, Andy's just a nice guy, and I, I think he comes across that way as well when you when you watch his stuff. So. So, yeah, massive thanks to him for spending some time with us. Matt, that brings us to the end of the podcast this week. We've it does. Literally, I mean, we could, I I think, honestly, we could have talked for about two hours on just full swing, really. Um, but, and that's maybe, we should do maybe a bonus podcast just talking about that whole series once we've watched them all, because I need to catch up. But um, You do. But certainly, in the meantime... Obviously, we want you to keep listening, watching and reading all of our content, whether it's the podcast, whether it's watching the YouTube channel or uh, visiting golfshake.com's website. Uh, everything on there is going to help you to play more and play better. Matt. Right. Right. So Can I just say, sorry, before before yeah. we go, right, I just I just want to say, so I was about to tee off on <laughs> okay. uh, one day last week, I think Thursday, and the guy that I played with, Simon, you won't mind me mentioning his name. Okay. Uh, stopped me before we teed off and complimented us on a lovely podcast. Oh, good. Um, and he said that he listens to it. He really enjoyed it. It sounded like two mates having a chat, very lighthearted. Um, and I just thought I'd share that because it's nice when people come and acknowledge, you know, the the time and effort that we put into it absolutely we love feedback and yeah if, if you guys want to um give us feedback we obviously want to hear from you as well so info at golfshake.com you can do that or through both of our various social media channels me and matt are on twitter on instagram facebook you can get hold of us as well so yeah um thank you very much for the feedback simon and hopefully some more of you will send some of them in but until next week have a great golfing week and we will see you next Monday. Goodbye.